This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to Mariner's Pod. Thanks for being here once again. Very pleased to have you here. Uh, This is a fun one. We've got, I guess, a local Mariner's Pod today. A couple of really great stories, a couple of really fun conversations coming up. We'll do a quick review of the last two games against the San Francisco Giants. We'll take a look at this weekend as well. And then a couple of great conversations. Kai Correa, who you may or may not know, he's the bench coach for the San Francisco Giants. Youngest bench coach in baseball, just 31 years old. And his story is pretty incredible about how he got to where he is and very much local ties. He was a player at the University of Puget Sound just down south in Tacoma. He was a coach at the University of Puget Sound for four years there. And just a handful of uh, years later, here he is, uh, the bench coach for a team that's surging, trying to get into the postseason. Uh, And we talk about how he got there, what he likes about Tacoma, his time at Puget Sound. So a really fun conversation I think you'll enjoy. We also spoke to Austin Shenton, who grew up, of course, locally. A wide-ranging, fascinating conversation. One that uh, you should listen to the whole thing because it's really great. From the things he's done in the offseason to some of the Mariners that he grew up watching and loving and, and a couple of the he met along the way. I mean, it's, it's a really fun conversation with me and Aaron and Austin Shenton. So that's going to happen in a few minutes as well. First, a quick review, though, of the last two games against San Francisco. Things, it's been a weird couple of days, clearly. Mariners were supposed to play the Giants at home. Instead, they went to San Francisco after the Tuesday game was postponed. So they made it up yesterday and then the day before played in San Francisco. Things have not gone well against the Giants in San Francisco. Mariners losing 9-3 to on Wednesday. Yesterday... It was a good start for the Mariners. They jumped out early on San Francisco. They took a nice lead. Next offer on the way to J.P. Swinging a line drive the other way to left field. That's in there for a base hit. Scoring is Lopes. Phillip Irving to third. Ronnie third heading home. The throw to the plate is cut off by Longoria. Irving scores with a head first slide. Two more runs are in. Crawford with a base hit. And the Mariners now lead the Giants 4-1. They weren't able to hold it, though. The Giants come back on the M's bullpen, and they get game two, six to four. So the M's have lost three in a row, starting with the second end of the doubleheader against the A's and what has been a, just a bizarre week. Doubleheader against Oakland, postponed day, two against San Francisco. And now what was supposed to be home three against San Diego is a road three against the Padres in San Diego. Mariners will play as the home team, but in San Diego – 6.40 on Friday, 6.10 on Saturday, and then 1.10 on Sunday before the Mariners return home to take on the Houston Astros. Mariners now chasing the Astros for three, uh, down three games to Houston, and of course, 
Houston's week against Texas and Arizona continues. So Mariners in a pretty tough spot. We talked about it when you compare the schedules side by side. Really difficult spot for the M's. So this San Diego series should be something. The Padres playing great, and they're right on the heels of the Dodgers. They would love to knock off that division and take the division title. Uh, it's pretty amazing to see what they've done. And, of course, so many storylines in this series. Austin Nola, of course, a starting catcher for the San Diego Padres. Ty France, the Torrens on the other side for the Mariners. So teams get to know each other again. Really, really great pitching matchups. Kikuchi against Paddock tonight. Sheffield against Clevenger on Saturday. That's a beauty. And then Dunn against Lamette. Lamette has been unbelievable uh, probably his worst start of the season was against the mariners and worst in air quotes because it wasn't that bad so really good pitching matchups really tough series for the mariners but it should be a very fun and entertaining series to watch home games in san diego against the padres as they're surging to try and go ahead and catch the los angeles dodgers so that will come up this weekend we'll talk about it all coming up on monday in the meantime a couple of really great conversations coming away and first we'll start with kai correa the bench coach for the San Francisco Giants. Funny enough, I had a chance to talk to him when he was getting ready to head to the ballpark, T-Mobile Park, when they were in Seattle. As it turns out, he never quite made it there. So he'll get his uh, look there in a major league uniform at some point down the road. It didn't happen this year. But a fun conversation. First, we started uh, talking about the journey from Puget Sound to being the bench coach in San Francisco. Well, Kai, just seemingly a few years ago, you were playing at University of Puget Sound and coaching at the University of Puget Sound. And here you are just a handful of years later. You're the bench coach for a major league team, making a playoff push and playing some great baseball. How did that happen in such a short amount of time? <laughs> well, you know, that's you take that question in a bunch of different directions and i think it's like anything else in life you know it's opportunity it's being around the right people there's there's luck there's there's preparation there's work there's passion all kind of twisted together but for me i was fortunate enough to um to to begin my coaching career in the northwest uh in the seattle area where there was such a a hotbed of really forward-thinking bright and, and passionate coaches all around each other at the same time and then also a really well-established like foundation of like long tenured coaches um, in, in collegiate baseball and club baseball um, at that same time. And so that kind of was a springboard for me. And I did a lot of, I did a lot of speaking and sharing, but at the same time, I did a lot of listening um, and note-taking and that's kind of how it got rolling. And we were uh, able to have some success at, at UPS and, and then at Northern Colorado and, and then to the Cleveland system. So it definitely, uh, it feels fast, especially when you read it in bullet form, um, but uh, not as fast for me. I definitely lived every game in between that, now and then. No doubt. No doubt. Understood. What do you remember about your playing career at Puget Sound before you were coaching? Division three baseball has such a, like a, a fond place in my heart, right? Because it's just mm-hmm. so pure. There's no athletic scholarships. There's not a ton of fanfare. There's not a ton of thrills. It's not great in terms of travel and hotel accommodations you're just doing it because you, you love doing it and, and then it's the same for your opponent and the same for your teammates and so that's kind of what I, I think about and then the other thing that like I have a ton of fond memories about is that you got a lot of like-minded people on a, on the division three baseball team obviously their priority would be academics and so people are are 
setting up their professional careers, whether they're going to be attorneys or physicians. And so it was kind of a bunch of guys who were trying to be as best as possible at baseball as a secondary thing. And so definitely some of my best memories. Was coaching at the big leagues, was that a goal or something you even thought about in your early coaching days at Puget Sound? No, no, not not even the slightest. Um, I think it, one of the reasons why I've been fortunate enough to have success is I, I've never really been on to the next job. I, I was always just trying to do as good of a possible in my current role. And, and my number one thought process when I was at Puget Sound was winning at Puget Sound um, and developing young men there. And, and I thought, you know, if I do a good job, maybe I could go to a larger institution and I do a good job there. Maybe I could be a head coach one day. Mm. That was really the, the thought process at the time when I started at, at Puget Sound. I know coaching's in your family. How much influence was that on the kind of coach you are now? Yeah, I think it really jumpstarts your career when you grow up in a, in a household of coaches, with your grandfather and uncles and cousins and your own father, right? And so mm. there's just a, such a high quantity of discussions about, you know, inside baseball that goes on off the field. And so that really shaped the way I thought about and analyzed things, especially when you have multiple family members, people are constantly second guessing each other and arguing. <laughs> and so those debates and those spirited discussions lead to really good critical thinking. You know, and thinking like, okay, am I looking at this decision from every angle? Do I have all the information I need? Is the best move no move at the time? Is the best move this move at the time? And so um, definitely laid the foundation for the same decisions uh, I make in my current role. You've developed quite a reputation for working with infielders. Where did that start? How you worked with infielders, the drills you use, the bond you've been able to form, where did that begin? Well, I think parts of it comes from, you know, the natural transition from being a former infielder. Mm. And then the second thing is that like attention to detail, um, you know, and thanklessness that comes with good defensive play. (laughs) And so I was really drawn to that when I first started coaching is that, you know, the, the best defenses are kind of like unmentioned, like, you know, you stay out of the press, you don't make mistakes mm-hmm. and you set yourself up to, to have less runs to have to score. And so I was really drawn to that. And then all like, you know, the, the micro movements that come with infield play, you know, it's so reactionary to where the ball's hit and what happens next. And so you have such a huge variety of moves to go and fill the ball and exchange the baseball and then throw it. And so I was really drawn to that. And, um, you know, I, I think, for me, a lot of those drill designs come from the fact that when you coach in the Northwest at a small school, you deal with a lot of foul weather, but with mm. not a lot of foul weather facilities. And so you need to be creative. How am I going to use a machine or a gym or a soccer area to execute and prepare a team for a certain play? And so I think a lack of resources or limited resources was definitely like a big factor in um, learning to be creative with space and with time. So what was your favorite part about living in Tacoma? Oh, gosh. Man, I, I mean, I lived there for eight years, and I loved my time there. I lived, lived in the, like, the Proctor District. and oh, yeah. I don't know. I just kind of liked how it was like sleepy. It was big enough where there was, like, you, know, you could find something to do, um, whether it was outdoors or you know, socially, but it was small enough where you weren't paying for parking. Like that's the best way to describe Tacoma, <laughs> right? Like, you, you got action where you got convenience for affordability. That's a great description. This has been such a bizarre year in Major League Baseball for all the obvious reasons, but how has this year gone for you, your first year in the show? Yeah, no, it has been wild. You know, somebody told me a year ago, hey, you're going to run two spring trainings, you know, and then and then figure out, figure out um, you know, pregame schedules, 
with time limitations and facility limitations, but you know, I thought they'd be joking, but to a certain extent, it's, it's kind of even the playing field, right? Every, mm-hmm. You know, I'm in my first year as a bench coach and every other bench coach across the league, whether they've been doing this for two decades or, or one, um, is the first time navigating the, the policies and restrictions, uh, that come with, with COVID. And so to a certain extent, it's, um, you know, it has been, has leveled the playing field and it makes me feel just as equipped as my counterparts. It's mm, a good point. Have you had a big league moment, a moment where you look around and say, whether it's um, something that happened or, or some you've interacted with, you've had to stop and think about exactly wh- where you are and what you're doing. Yeah, you have those like micro big league moments, right? You know, you know, Safeco is going to be one. Being mm. I lived in such close proximity, and Coors was as well. You know, being that that's where my wife's from, and I, I coached up there. Um, you have those moments with guys. You know, like I, you know, you take for granted um, how fortunate you are to work with such veteran infielders like Brandon Crawford and Evan Longoria, and then kind of I reflect back thinking about breaking down film of them. You know, <laughs> ten years ago. You know. And doing it now as part of my job, except they watch it. And so, but I think the biggest big league moment uh, for me that was really cool was in spring training. Um, we're playing against the Angels at our place at Scottsdale Stadium, and, and Mike Trout um, steps in the box. And to my right, I look over, and I uh, Barry Bonds is there that week as a guest instructor. And then in the clubhouse, sitting in his booth, is Willie Mays. And I thought to myself, I am within. 200 feet of Mike Trout, Barry Bonds, and Willie Mays. You know, that's, that's you know, that's, that's pretty electric, right? Albert Pujols is on deck in that moment. He doesn't even get a mention with the other, the other three guys. And so I think you, those are the, the really cool memories that, I, that I'm soaking in. I'll never forget. That's amazing. That's a great story. That's a big league moment for sure. No doubt about it. Hey, how far back does your relationship with Gabe Kapler go? It goes back like a, a decent amount. Uh, you know, Gabe is an incredibly thorough person uh, who does a ton of research. And so um, I obviously knew who he was and he knew who I was um, back to his time with the Dodgers mm-hmm. when he was their farm director. And I was at Northern Colorado. And then um, he interviewed me to be a part of his original staff in Philadelphia. Um, three years ago now, just over two years ago and, uh, didn't, didn't work out and I'm staying in Cleveland and, and, um, and then again here with San Francisco. And so, you know, someone you stay in touch with and you have brief interactions with, uh, but definitely really got to know each other, um, through that interview process in Philadelphia years ago. Well, Kai, it's great to have you back in the Pacific Northwest and congratulations on all the success. Uh, thanks for taking the time. We really appreciate it. No, it's great to be back. And, uh, you know, one thing's easy for me to say is that without the Pacific Northwest and the people up here um, and the structure and support they provided me, I, I wouldn't have the opportunities I've had. And so I'm very, very proud to, to represent the Northwest as a second home. There was Kai Correa, the pride of the University of Puget Sound in Tacoma. Very fun conversation. Now we turn our attention to Austin Shetton. Uh, Aaron Goldsmith and I had a very, very interesting chat and a very, very fun chat with the Mariners prospect. Austin, it's great to spend a little time with you. We, we talked uh, a couple of months ago at this point before maybe in the early days of summer camp, but now the alternate site is up and running. Uh, things are becoming more regular, more regimented. Can you tell us what, what life in Tacoma is like for you these days? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple, honestly. I mean, we just kind of come to the ballpark around 730 in the morning and 
uh, get to work um, just like any, any other normal person. So uh, it's been good though. Uh, the schedule can kind of get monotonous, but um, you know, you just got to kind of persevere through it and just kind of realize that this is a great opportunity being here. And um, you know, it's, it's been a lot of fun being around our player development staff and just, you know, learning the fundamentals that we're trying to teach um, and really just trying to hone in parts of my game that uh, I've been wanting to improve upon. So uh, it's been good to get out here and get the reps and uh, be, be close to home. So everybody would prefer to be able to play a full 140 plus game minor league schedule, but situations being what they are, is there something that in this odd construction of a quote unquote minor league season for you that you feel like you have been able to progress the most in one certain area that stands out to you? Yeah, I think, um, I think there's two. Um, I think just athletically and just getting my body in better shape. I think that's always been a primary focus of mine just to get in good shape, get as athletic as possible, get my body as mobile as possible. And then with that, my defense becomes better because I can just move better. You know, I can react better. My first step is, you know, a lot quicker. So I think those two facets, just my body and also defense, you know, I think getting the reps out there has been really important with, with Lewis Boyd. Uh, he's been, he's been great because Perry, Perry Hill can't be there, but me and Boyd have been putting in a lot of work together and he's been really instrumental in, you know, my improvement on the defensive end. I have been very anxious to ask you about something. As a kid growing up in Tacoma, I went to a million games at Cheney Stadium. I, I worked there. I've been there a million times. My high school field was, our home field was right down the street. So I know the dimensions there very well. I cannot picture a ball sailing over the center field wall. Describe what that was like to actually hit a home run over the center field wall at Cheney Stadium. I think it was just surprising, honestly, because I don't know. I think McKay, one of the first days we were here, Andy McKay, he, he said, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever gone over center field in the game. And I was like, seriously, that, that seems kind of crazy. And then when I hit it, I never, I didn't really think, you know, I was, it was kind of a historic home run. I was just like, okay, thank, thank goodness. I barreled up a baseball, you know, it felt, it felt good. And then as, as I kind of rounded first, I, I just, you know, was expecting to hear either a bounce, you know, off the warning track or the wall um, and nothing came. And then Braden Bishop, I looked at him and he turned around without a ball. And I was like, okay. And I just kept running, tried to act like I, you know, knew it was out all the way. But uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, and it was, it was also fun to do it off my boy, George Kirby. So, you know, got to have some friendly banter in our, cause we, we, I give him rides to the field. So, uh, you know, we gotta, we gotta hang out and talk about that one. It's over 30 feet tall, 425 to center. Yeah. All right. So that's a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> hey, hey, since you know George pretty well, you got to tell us about this guy because he's obviously highly regarded first round pick by the Mariners. He never walks anybody, but I did hear he walked the batter after you hit the home run. Do you remember? Is that correct? Yeah. He walked two straight guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think honestly, he was more disappointed about the two walks and about getting the home run off me, but you know, asking me to speak upon George Kirby. I mean, he's a, he's a great pitcher. I mean, I only watched him pitch a couple of times um, in Everett, but, um, you know, just the way his mannerisms on the bat, on the mound, you know, he just has the utmost confidence in himself and he should. And, you know, he just pounds the zone. He trusts his stuff. And, you know, I, I've told him this a few times. I, I really don't understand how he got picked so late. 
because I, I don't know what pick he was, but 23rd, 24th, whatever it was. I mean, I just can't – I just I, – he, he's, to me, the best pitcher in that draft class, you know, and he has really great stuff. Um, and I think he's going to be a really key piece for this team, this franchise, and in the future. 20th overall in 2019. Yeah. And I hear from – he's going in shorter stints, or at least he was earlier, and in shorter stints at the alternate side, he's pumping 97 to 99 miles an hour with the command is what it, the reports that we were getting in Seattle. Yeah, and that's correct. Yeah, it's <laughs> – Those are accurate. Uh, yeah, it's – you know, I got lucky. I closed my eyes and caught it. So, um, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's a great guy, and, you know, his stuff really plays. Hey, we need to find a little bit out about yourself when you're not at the ballpark. Obviously, times are very different right now, but is there anything that you've been able to do to take your mind off of baseball and take your mind off of the oddity of 2020 when you're not working out and, and playing ball? Yeah, well, I got into cycling during quarantine, um, so just bike riding and that kind of stuff. And I've always been into photography, so, you know, I do that in my spare time as well. And then also I like to cook, so I've been cooking a good amount. And then – I don't know, in quarantine, I, I started doing some stuff, you know, I, I built like, or in the process of building, I didn't, I came here, so um, I was building a tiny home though, so, you know, started doing that, um, so I, I like to keep myself busy doing a bunch of different things, um, but yeah, you can catch me on the golf course a lot too, that, I'll be golfing a lot, <laughs> I've been going probably three, four times a week down here, so. I, I don't like sitting in the hotel room looking up at the sky, <laughs> looking up at the ceiling, so uh you got to find something to pass the time. Well, we ha there's way too much to follow up on here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the low-hanging fruit of the tiny home. I can guarantee you, Austin, you're the only professional baseball player who is building a tiny home. Tell me, first of all, what was your inspiration to do this? I mean, if you ask my mom, I've always been like, I, I was one of the smallest room in the house. You know, I kind of try to be like, minimalist and I don't really like having a bunch of stuff so I just want to kind of live with less and also I kind of wanted a little spot where you know I wasn't sharing a wall with my parents at the age of 23 <laughs> 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 to them, but I you know I kind of I kind of wanted to you know branch out and have my own spot but be close enough so our our backyard is like 85 90 yards so I can be in the back left corner, got my little tiny home, uh, and I'll be, I'll be good. I'll be posted up out there. How far along in the process are we? Basically everything with the exterior is pretty much finished. I just have to put siding up, but the interior is pretty raw. You know, we got to put up electrical plumbing. I'm not really, I'm just having running water. I got a compostable toilet. Uh, so it's, <laughs> there's no septic. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of moving parts, but I've, I've kind of like designed the whole thing. I'm really into like that kind of stuff, like interior design type stuff. So I, I bought most of the stuff. So it just needs to be all put together. Now, I, Gary can relate to this. I can't tell you how many, probably at this point, Gary, hundreds of guys we've talked to over the years. You just dropped a, a compostable toilet on us, okay? So <laughs> this is like this is like a whole new stratosphere of yeah. a guy. Yeah. Where did where did you learn how to do construction, build things? One of my best friends worked in construction, and my my uncle was a carpenter his whole entire life. So 
it was basically us three. And then my dad would sometimes help. My dad did most of the roof um, because I, I was afraid of heights and I'm not getting up there. <laughs> it's a tiny home. What are you talking about? <laughs> hey, it's kind of small though. At the tallest point, it's like 12 feet. So, so yeah, it's, it's not, I mean, 12 feet looking down, it, it can look high, man. Let me tell you. Right, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, it was, it was a process. And I honestly, I, I, I suffered an injury during the tiny home too. I didn't want to say this, but I got knocked with a two by four in my nose. So I, I got a nose job. And I don't know if you guys can tell, but. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, well, it was crooked. So I had to get it popped back in surgically. So, <laughs> so he said he, he said he tightened it, tightened it up a little bit. So theoretically I got a nose job. <laughs> <laughs> a tiny home <laughs> not not intentional but yeah well it looks great right. yeah it was we're recording this on video conference call your nose looks fantastic austin yeah, thank you man i appreciate it it was expensive <laughs> <laughs> it, added, it added to the cost of the tiny home on an unintentional cost but since you are playing the position of one of the greatest Mariners in franchise history and Kyle Seeger. You've been watching Kyle from the time when you were, can we say a kid? I mean, you were a young man yeah, until geez. now you're within the same organization that he plays. What is it that you like the most watching Kyle Seeger play? It's how even keeled he is, I guess. I think that's some, that's the most, I mean, he's just solid, you know, he goes out and I don't know. You can just see the confidence he plays with. I love, I love when players are confident. Like it just, you can just see it. Like when he's in the box, he just, yeah, he doesn't have his blank face, you know, just, you know, I got this, you know, and just how smooth he is, you know, fundamentally sound. I mean, getting to meet him, you know, he's just a great guy, you know, great teammate. So it's, it's been, it's been awesome getting to watch him and try to emulate what he does, you know, because I mean, he's been a great Mariner and, I've watched him, I guess, I guess now it's since I was like 14. And so like when you're like 13, 14, you start like, you know, really watching people and, you know, knowing what you're watching, you know, not just being like, oh, he's great. You know, knowing how, how he goes about his business, how, how he looks, you know, how he looks when he steps into the box, his approach, you know, that kind of things. And, you know, I'd go to, I'd go to Safeco and I just, you know, kind of watch him at third base and be like, okay, like, you know, I want to be in his shoes someday, hopefully, um, you know, and I, I want to do, I want to do things how he does it, you know, cause he does, does things the right way. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun watching him. So you're a big Ichiro fan growing up too, right? You have yeah, to tell yeah. us, you have to tell the story of meeting Ichiro at spring training. I mean, you're at Mariners camp, you're wearing the uniform, you see Ichiro. What was that moment like meeting Ichiro? Yeah, it was kind of funny because there's like those black screens on, on the, on the sides of the fences. And so I couldn't see around the corner. So I I'm walking into the, onto the field and like, I turned the corner and right as I turned the corner, I was kind of looking down and then I look up and I'm staring each hero into the face. Like, Oh my gosh, what a, like, I, don't, I don't really know what to say. So I just stuck out my hand. I was like, Hey, Ichiro, nice to meet you. And he's like, I said, well, no, I said, Hey, nice to meet you. And then he said, uh, Ichiro, nice to meet you as well. <laughs> and I was like, man, come on. There's no planet that you needed to say your name. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was awesome though. I kind of got a fan, I fanboyed, fangirled so, so hard 
some some of my teammates were like, "Hey, Austin, you need to calm down, bud." I was like, <laughs> "I know, man," but I, I think I would be the same way if if I met King Felix, because oh my gosh, watching him growing up, I was that was that was my guy growing up. He was like my he was the same time, you know, thirteen, fourteen, and man, like I was a huge King Felix fan. Went to like King Court, Supreme Court, you know. Because the environment when he was pitching and when he was dealing, I mean, there's nothing like it, you know, because the city of Seattle, we, I mean, there's a lot of fans and, you know, it's a good fan base, but when we have like, you know, a little, a little bit of wins in the win column and, you know, that environment starts to go, it, it really is awesome. And he, everyone loved that guy. Awesome, man. We could talk to you forever. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out with us for a little bit. We know you got a lot of work to do, but we appreciate you spending some time with us. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.